0: So it's good to be back. Uh, several of you know that uh, last week my daughter Karis and I we were away in Aberdeen, Scotland, uh, which we had miraculous, beautiful three days of sunny weather. The Scots all assured us that that was not normal, um, but it was just a, it was a, it was an honor to be there. Uh, we were there uh, for the funeral of our dear friend uh, He Jung Nika, who passed away on Good Friday of Holy Week. Um, And many of you were very encouraging of us to go, and we're really grateful for that. Um, I bring you greetings from Ben and Eugene. Uh, They told me multiple times to extend their love to you. Uh, They miss you all dearly. They're planning on being here sometime this summer. Uh, And I also bring you greetings from the various uh, Christian communities who they're a part of. Uh, St. Margaret's, who uh, they probably wouldn't use this this uh, way of describing them, I would. I would describe it as like an Anglo-Catholic kind of church. Uh, and then also Trinity Church, uh, which they're a part of, which is a, a Presbyterian church. Uh, and then King's College, uh, where Ben is studying. Uh, it has many uh, just wonderful uh, students there as well. So it, it's a beautiful community that they've found there, and it was uh, an honor for me to see that and to be with them during this uh, really sad and tragic time. Um, so thank you for allowing that to happen. So we are in the season of Eastertide right now, the 50 days uh, after Easter. And this Sunday, the fourth Sunday after Easter, is, uh, in the great tradition, held as Good Shepherd Sunday. Uh, and yes, Christ is our King of kings and Lord of lords, but he's also the gentle shepherd. He is the good shepherd who knows your name, who knows what burdens you carry, who knows what wounds you bear, And he leads you to pasture. He heals you. He restores you. He feeds you. Um, May may that be an encouragement to you. And I love that this is a part of our annual tradition to contemplate all the riches that exist in viewing God as our good shepherd. So uh, today we're going to be looking at John chapter 10. And here we hear hear these beautiful and gentle and, and loving words from Jesus Christ. He tells us that he's the good shepherd. He says things like, I am the door, and I know my sheep by name. I lay down my life for my sheep. And these aren't just abstracted truths that Jesus is telling his people. I don't know if you know this, but John chapter 10 comes immediately after John chapter 9. Were you aware of that? Um, I'm glad you're tracking with me. Um, But in John chapter 9, that's the story of Jesus healing the man who had been born blind. And if you recall that story, you know what happens to that man. As soon as he's healed, he's accosted by the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Uh, They even bring his parents into the equation, and eventually they cast out this man. And that word for being cast out is the same word that's used to, to cast a demon out of someone. This man is, he's, he's forcefully expelled from the temple. And that would have had many ripples across his life. That temple expulsion would have been devastating for that man. Being a temple outcast meant that he was cut off from all faithful Jews, from his family, from any potential employers, in all other parts of Jewish life. He was now essentially consigned over to death this man who had been healed by Jesus and so we the reader as you're as you're reading John 9 you're kind of left to ask yourself is this guy better off like is it which is worse not having your physical sight or not having any connection to the life of those around you your loved ones your your kin so on and so forth so it's here, precisely in, in this moment of the outcast's pain and his loss, that Jesus finds him. He finds him and he ministers to him. And the Pharisees are there and they, they witness these words, this exchange between Jesus and the healed man. And, and they're enraged by this because Jesus calls them blind all of a sudden. So like I said, I, I'm, I'm not gonna preach John nine. Uh, Aaron did that a few weeks ago at Lent. I'm preaching John 10. But I want you to see that when Jesus says something like I am the good shepherd, he says that to an individual who has been outcast. He says it to the weary. He says it to the tired, to the betrayed, to the broken. And then when he says beware of the thief, he says it with the Pharisees there in mind. There are actual, real thieves that are in the people of God, is what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. He pours out his spirit upon us. His spirit is moving in our midst, and I believe that he is saying these words to us afresh today. He says, I am the good shepherd. You who are broken, you who are weary, you who are tired, come to me. Give me your burdens, and I will give you rest. Let me lead you to good pastures. Let me feed you with my very self. Then he also charges us to have an ear of discernment, that we might be able to know the voice of the thief, to identify that, and to flee from it, to flee from that strange voice, and to turn to Jesus Christ. So first I'd like to look at the reality of thieves, and then we'll look at the reality of our good shepherd Jesus. Um, but before I do, let's. I, I want to provide a bit of cultural context. And if you're used to the world of the Bible, you might know all of these things. If, if you've been in church a little bit, I hope you've heard pastors talk about shepherding. That's what the word pastor means, is shepherding, right? So the day-to-day life of the shepherd was, and it actually still is, pretty simple. Uh, in fact, you can go to Palestine and you can still see this this rhythm uh, being carried out. This has not changed over the last thousand, a couple thousand years. During the daytime, a shepherd leads his sheep uh, to green, luscious pastures. The shepherd is watching the weather patterns and noting where it rains so that he can lead his sheep over there to where there'd be grouse, grass sprouting up and feeding them. But then in the evenings, that shepherd would bring his flock along with other shepherds whose flocks would come, and they would combine all the sheep into one large enclosure. And this enclosure would be built out of stones, a stone wall. Uh, it, there'd be thorns along the top of it. I'm, I'm smiling because in Scotland, uh, there's stone walls all over the place. Is that right, Karis? Yes. Yeah, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Um, yeah, there's stone walls all over, all over the place, um, So like I said, there'd be thorns on the tops of these walls in order to deter the wolves, keep the wolves away. But there would not be a door on these enclosures. Instead, one of the shepherds would lie down at the place of the door. His own body would be the door. His own body would be the gate. And as you can imagine, uh, detecting intruders would then become a a full-body engagement, wouldn't it? And if you're a wolf and you're coming, you would, you would sense this large, breathing creature as a threat, and you'd turn around and you'd go away. Hopefully, if you're a smart wolf, you'd be deterred by that. Well, then the morning would come. The other shepherds would come. that everyone would come together. The gatekeeper, uh, the gatekeeping shepherd, would allow them to come in, and the shepherd would then start to gather his flock by singing a song and that song would either, he'd be singing it or he'd be playing it with perhaps a harp or a flute or something like this. And the sheep would recognize that unique tune. They would rise, they would discern their tune, and then they would follow after their shepherd. And it would repeat itself over and over again, day after day. Isn't that beautiful? It sounds like a really calm life. I would love to go and be a shepherd. <laughs> it sounds really lovely. Well, when, when Jesus is talking When he's sharing these teachings, there are Pharisees on one side of him, and there is the outcast on the other, and he says the sheepfold has thieves. (laughs) Well, look at the way in which the thief enters the flock. Rather than coming in plain sight, they either climb over the top of the wall or they dig and burrow underneath of it. They come in the night. They come in the shadows. They don't want to be seen. They avoid eye contact with the shepherd. They want to make sure that, that they're not noticed by the shepherd. And their voice is unfamiliar. They speak behind closed doors and hushed tones. When you hear a thief speaking, you think to yourself, I've not heard that before. Huh, that's interesting. If you're a Christian, you think, I've not heard that before in all of church history and uh, across the globe. This is not something that Christians have believed or affirmed. This is a strange teaching. That's how you can help discern the voice of a thief. The thief grabs. The thief manipulates. The thief steals whatever he wants. He bullies. He lies. He tricks. And his motivation is his own stomach, his own passions and desires. He wants to um, satisfy himself, be that his own reputation, his own fleshly desires. Or sometimes a a thief does his acts of violence just simply because he he likes doing acts of violence. I had someone once tell me, I just like breaking things. This wasn't a child, this was a grown man saying this. I just like breaking things. It was chilling to hear that. And so Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here. He has them in mind. And these are religious leaders in Jesus' day who are trying to uh, hold up and polish their own prestige. They want to be seen in the community as, as the moral uh, righteous ones, as the just ones, as the ones who have it all put together. And so in order to, to polish that reputation, they make everyone else in the community feel like they are so far from God, and they're the ones who are close to God. And so they pile on additional rules for the people, additional things that they must do. They want to be viewed as morally superior themselves. They want to be viewed as having a a higher view of justice and righteousness than the others. And so they burden the people. They make the people feel like they're very far away from God. And Jesus says, this is thievery. There's robbery that's taking place here. God is close to you. He knows your name. He wants to be with you. He wants to feed you out of his own hand. So that brings us to Jesus. He says, I am the good shepherd. So what are some ways that the good shepherd ministers to his flock, that he ministers in our midst here today? In verse 3, Jesus says, The sheep hear the shepherd's voice, and he calls out his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. The sheep aren't just numbers or cogs in some grand machine they're sheep they're individuals they're persons we have names and that name is known by god he knows your name like the god of the universe knows your name he knows the burdens that you carry he knows the ways that you've been hurt and and he knows what precisely you need because of your unique experience and he wants to give that to you he doesn't want you to walk with a limp He wants to bind that wimp. He wants to bind you together and give you a healed, whole life. He says, I have just what you need. Follow me. Come after me. But also, Jesus says in verse 9, he says, I am the door. This is an act of protection, yes. A shepherd puts himself, or just as a shepherd puts himself in between the flock and the ravenous wolves, so too Jesus stands Between us and Satan, that is what the cross is all about. At the cross, Jesus took all of sin and sorrow and darkness upon him and and brought it down to the point of death, defeating it by his resurrection, showing us that, that evil has no power over us anymore. If Satan wants to get to you, Satan has to go through Jesus first. And Jesus is solid. That's not going to happen. He's the Lord of the universe. Also, Jesus says, those who enter by me will be saved. And yes, of course, this means eternal salvation. And I think those of us who've grown up in in, uh, evangelical churches are quick to, to jump to that truth. Yes, it's true. But here in this context, the salvation is specifically against thieves, against those who want to destroy you, against those who tempt you. Jesus gives you salvation from that. In his holy scriptures and in the fellowship of this church and by the gift of his Holy Spirit, he's given us everything that we need to defeat sin and darkness. He is the good shepherd who gives you salvation from that. It doesn't have any hold over you anymore. By his death and resurrection, he has shown us that he is stronger than all the forces of evil. Uh, We've been hosting this week uh, at Restoration something called the Culture Summit, and um, I wasn't able to participate. Uh, I was kind of playing catch-up from being gone. But Molly and some of the staff told me that one of the, the best speakers at the Culture Summit... Oh, I should also tell you, the Culture Summit, it, it's a bunch of different ideas and topics that are discussed. Uh, I mean, they're all over the map. They're all, over, they're all sorts of things. But Molly was saying that one of her favorite uh, speakers was an exorcist. Uh, this Catholic exorcist who told chilling stories of demon possession. And he, he tells this with uh, confidence, and um, it, it'll, it'll wake you up. Um, yeah, I'll go to Molly with more questions about that. So, Molly's now our expert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she'll share too much about it. <laughs> anyway, but what, one of the things that she said that this exorcist would say is if you've been baptized, you've been claimed by Christ, you have nothing to fear. You've been marked by the Holy Spirit. You've been claimed by Christ. His power is in you. And evil, evil is more afraid of you, a baptized believer, than you should be of it. I love that. That is the power that Jesus gives us, the good shepherd. That is the salvation that he offers us, his people, his sheep. In in that last part of verse 9, Jesus says, Those who enter by me, those who are saved, or will be saved, We'll go in and out to find pasture. We'll go in and out. It talks about that, that rhythm of the daily life of the shepherd. Going in and out is an idiom in in Jewish language to uh, say all that that happens in our ordinary day-to-day lives. The picture here is that when you are in Christ, you have Freedom. There's freedom in Christ. I mean, that was, that was uh, evident in that second paragraph from First, uh, in first Peter this morning. You are, you are free in Christ to enjoy the goodness of this world. You're no longer enslaved by sin and darkness, and so you can go out and, and you can explore the beauty and the, the beautiful fruit and the goodness that God gave us and intended in, in creation. Explore good wine, explore good coffee, explore good design, explore... Um, the complexity of flowers and wildlife that exists in the world. Go and enjoy this world. But also, you have freedom to find rest when you need rest, to come into the presence of God, to ask and, and receive from him his, his peace which passes all understanding, his, his supernatural peace that, that lifts you up above all of the anxieties of this world. You have freedom to enjoy that kind of rest. And to come into into his presence at his table and to be fed by him. Not just a a morsel of of bread, although yes, it is that, but by his very presence, he feeds us with himself. And you might not be able to cognitively understand everything that's going on in that moment, or you might not have all of this emotional experience in in that moment, but your soul is fed. You experience the grace of God in that moment, and your your soul is, is assured in that moment that there will be a future day in which you see Christ face to face and the feasting will never end. That is the rest of God that you get to participate in and experience, that you are free to experience. This is the good pasture of the Good Shepherd, it is what he wants you to live in. So, what does this mean for us today? Well, I think a, a primary charge that we have to lift from this passage is for the, for the ear of discernment that we might be able to discern the voice of the good shepherd, right? That we might know his voice because we live in a world where we're surrounded by this cacophony of thieving voices, of uh, voices that are trying to rob you of your abundant life, who are trying to take from you. And these voices are ruthless, they're strong. They're loud voices. And they want nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy. So what's an example of one of these voices? I've got it in my pocket, actually. Oh, what's he going to pull out of his pocket? Yeah. This. This thing. I call this the digital thief. Did any of you feel like that? Yeah. Amen. Thank you, William. Like, this, this just wants to rob from you. Brothers and sisters, we'll just set it down there for a second. <laughs> Maybe it's because I've had a, a career in technology, and you know, it kind of pops up as an obvious example. But this thing wants to wants to rob you. It it, and again, like like Jesus says, beware of the way in which these things enter our lives. This enters your life under the promise of greater productivity and better creativity, and the irony is those two things. It actually takes from you. It robs from you. Instead of productivity, we waste our times, time on this thing. Instead of creativity, our, our ideas start to look like all the other trends out that are out there that are dictated by the great algorithm, right? Like our creativity is robbed. Our productivity is, tro- is robbed from this thing. Amen, John. <laughs> These pocket-sized windows take us into a, a phony life, an online life, a digital life that is separate from the smelly, sweaty, day-to-day life of us sheep, right? And we, we do this. We, we sometimes invite this thing to, to rob from us. We offload to it our own memories, right? We, we give it our ideas. We, we offload our memories to it. Our sense of wonder and our sense of inquiry when we're, we're meant to just stare into creation and, and wonder how God might be at work. But instead, we've been robbed of that and, and it's been replaced by immediate answers. Or maybe we have, or we should, I hope as human beings, have a God-given sense of adventure. A sense of taking risks for the kingdom. But instead, that gets replaced by video games and and Marvel movies and whatever. and there's, there's a time and a place for appropriate leisure. I, give, I, I recognize that. Um, but you understand how these things can be thievery. Our need for intimacy and love gets replaced by overly sensual TV shows and pornography, right? Like these things rob from us our human experience. The goodness that, that God has given to us is being, we're trading it in for some kind of super Gnostic replacement. I shouldn't have said Gnostic, that's an ancient thing, but, but really it's this, it's this belief that like the, the life that we are a part of is not what's good, and instead we need to ascend to this digital life, this, this life that is somehow beyond us, and this is a thief. This is a thief. This also opens up a hole that allows other looters to come in. Perhaps it's the digital pastor, (laughs) the one who offers wonderful teaching that we can glean from, but he doesn't know your name. He's not gonna show up in a crisis that's going on in your life. Yes, listen to good biblical teaching, but don't let that take you away from this community where there are mentors here available to you. When there's older brothers and sisters who can pastor you and pastor you well. It doesn't have to be me. There's lots of wonderful, gifted pastors sitting here. Turn to that. Or maybe it's another thief that comes in through this digital window is the phony friend, right? That person who you used to know 100 years ago, but for some reason you still follow them on Instagram, And you look at their perfect beautiful family and their perfect beautiful vacation and their perfect beautiful lives or whatever, and it makes you resent the family and the life that you have here. That's robbery. That's taking away from this life that God has placed you in. It's untrue. So for those of you who are in small groups, uh, those of you who like to hang out before and after the service, share about what some other thieves might be in your lives, what is it in, this, in your life, in this society that is stealing from you? Because Jesus wants to give you abundant life, not phony life, not digital life, like actual real life in this world with real brothers and sisters and real spiritual food and real wisdom. Jesus wants to give you abundant life. He is the good shepherd who calls you by name and he's placed you here. He's placed you here in this flock, this new community, this this Christ shaped, this cross shaped community, a community centered around the forgiveness of sins and the reconciliation that we have with God, our Father. This is a new community with real human relationships and real brothers and sisters, with real food. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I give you living water. Come and be satisfied. Come and be satisfied. So on that note, in a few minutes, we're going to be coming up for Holy Communion. And I invite you to put out your hands and receive from Jesus. He is the bread. He is the wine. To receive from him the Good Shepherd who sees you, who redeemed you, who knows you, who heals you, who feeds you, the Good Shepherd. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Look upon this, your flock. Pour out your your Holy Spirit upon us. Nourish us with your own presence, Lord Christ. I pray, Lord, especially for my brothers and my sisters who are here today, who feel like you are far. Lord, draw them close to you. May they hear your voice speaking to them through Through the sacred liturgy, through the holy scriptures, Lord, through the song, Lord, speak to them, may they hear you, Lord, saying their name, drawing them closer to you. Lord, may we, Lord, may we be worthy of your love. Lord, may we, um, well, you have made us worthy of your love, Lord, um, because of your cross but Lord, when we go out from here, may we be ambassadors of that, of that life, Lord, that you have given us. May you help us find those who are far from you and need to be drawn to you, Lord, and to experience the beauty and the goodness of the abundant life that you give us in your pasture. Lord, all of this we pray in your name and for your glory. Amen.